Hello, Freedom Junkies. Welcome back to Freedom Junkie Radio. I'm Betsy Dewey, your host. And today I have Rocco Bruno here with me today. And Rock or Rocco was a speaker the other night at a uh, Know Your Rights gathering that I went to. And I was so impressed with his passion for our country and our founding documents and our freedom that I wanted to give him this platform to speak to all of you. So welcome, Rock. Betsy, thank you very much for this opportunity to come share with you again. And I really congratulate you and salute you on the work that you're doing with your radio podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, it's the least I could do. I, you and I are cut off the same cloth when it comes to being passionate about freedom. That is so true. Thank you again for the chance to be here with you. So I, I think the first thing I would ask you is why do you think you're so passionate about uh, our, our founding documents and the freedoms that we have as Americans? Well, thank you. That uh, I always start with when I was a young man, my, my dad was a coin collector. And so he had coins from not only uh, America and, and, and gold and silver coins, but he had currencies from around the world, paper currencies. And one of the things that really, one of the things that really uh, got my attention was when my dad was showing me the difference between U.S. Treasury notes and uh, Federal Reserve notes. And on the U.S. Treasury notes, it had this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private, and is redeemable for lawful money. And of course, on the Federal Reserve notes, it had this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. And so I always wondered why they shut off or cut off and is redeemable for lawful money. And so I wanted to go and, and look into what was the difference between legal tender and lawful money. Well, that led me to look into the U.S. Constitution for the United States of America, because our government is meant to be the only one who can coin money and create money. And when you start looking at that, well, you figure out, well, how did this, uh, this Federal Reserve System come into being? And that led me to, uh, you know, 1913, 1917, when the Federal Reserve System came into play and how uh, Woodrow Wilson, our president at the time, uh, declared after this was passed that he might have actually done America irreparable harm by turning over our money supply to a group of private bankers. And as a matter of fact, today, if you go and ask people, and I actually do this periodically, I'll ask people, that I see uh, in my, my, my business work, uh, do you know anything about the Federal Reserve System? And they'll say, no, not really. And I'll pull out a Federal Reserve note. And you know, it's kind of, kind of squished at the top when you look at uh, one of the fiat currencies uh, paper bills today. And they'll say, you know, I really never looked into that or never really thought about it. Um, but anyway, that's what really got me started. But my family was in private business. We were business people. And uh, so I grew up in a self-employed family and, and had my own interest in, the, in health and how to stay healthy. And, 
that led to me to really appreciate the free enterprise and the freedom system that our American founders, the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution that was created some years later, and what that all meant and what that really gave to Americans. And uh, if you get a chance to travel around the world, as many people do, I'm sure many of our listening public uh, do get to travel the world, there's always something that says, I'm so glad to be back home when I come back to America. So the, 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 the quick answer is I learned that there was something going on nefariously with the Federal Reserve System that our freedoms uh, came from within ourselves. This is where the, the, the Bill of Rights is really so important, Betsy, because it established for the first time in recorded history as we may know it, that uh, this was about we the people. Because historically, we read a lot about monarchs and kings and pharaohs and queens, and, and they looked at all the people that were, that they, had power over as their subjects. And oftentimes we were also their objects. <laughs> and they used us for their own purposes. But something happened with the founders because never before had there been a, a consolidation, if you will, of men and women that came together to do something so, so remarkable and amazing. And what that was, was to establish for the first time in history, a government of, by, and for the people. So what has made, to me, America the most important country ever uh, is the fact that we have these founding documents that really inspire the human spirit. What do we do with that? We're creative. Our creator created us. We're emanations of the divine. We're waves on this ocean of life. Uh, there's one field of being, this, this field of consciousness, and we're all units of that consciousness. We're individualized spirit, we're souls. And as souls, we have really with our founding documents, this realization that we don't belong to a monarch or to a, a country as such, we belong to the divine. And freedom is the ability to be free in the dome of our head. Freedom. Where we are thinking about why have I been created? What is the purpose for which I was born? And that purpose is not owned by a monarch, a king or a queen or a pharaoh, it's owned by the one sovereign of the universe. First cause, source, creator, however you relate to the, to the infinite. You may not relate to any of that at all. The beautiful thing about America is you don't have to believe in that at all. You can be an atheist. But what our founders knew that we didn't need a government where we had to agree on what we believe in that context, 
what we needed was a constitution that was going to secure our right to think any way we wanted. You can believe what you want. I can believe what I want. But where we come into agreement is where to limit government and to create a boundary around it to where it cannot encroach upon you and me, your children, my children, and our posterity. So that's kind of my first comments about this. Okay, but look what's happened. And look what's happened slowly over a long time. These rights that are not given to us by the government. Correct. They are innate within us. And somewhere along the way, people discovered that and said, we're equal. No one's above me. No one's below me. Correct. We all get to have these if you want to call them God-given or source-given or innate natural rights. Yes. And so what are those? I think it was interesting that um, I heard you say that the, the founders, when they came together to create the Bill of Rights, they had 189 ideas of what our rights were, and they had to kind of pare it down. Yes. So, 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 so that there's one in there at the end that says, and we're going to go ahead and cover all our other natural rights. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. Uh, and I, and I uh, typically carry one of these little constitution things around with me where it was the actual 10th Amendment. But yes, there was about 189 ideas when they were looking at the Constitutional Convention, you know, in the late 1780s, 1786, 7, 8, 9 when the Constitution became finally ratified. But in that period, they were trying to say, well, what are these rights? And of course, they had lots of ideas from the, uh, the, the people who attended the Constitutional Convention. But like uh, all of us realize, you know, there's been 10 commandments and people can barely remember those and keep those. So I think there was a certain synergy with, let's, let's keep it to around 10. Mm -hmm. And the, the 10th Amendment, of course, you know, states very clearly, the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, or reserved to the states respectfully, or to the people. Because see, once again, this was the first time where the founders really figured out that we have to create a government that is the consent of the governed. And when you, when you have to have the people's consent, we call this a republic. It's regarding the public. See, previous to that, it was always re-monarch re or re-tyrant. It was regarding the tyrant and regarding the, the people who were in charge. And they said, no, we have to do something really different this time. They were, these were learned men and they had studied the histories of empires that had come and gone and they understand how these empires were teetering always on destruction because why because the people didn't have the real charge and they they didn't have checks and balances built into it even rome was a, considered a democracy Yes, but that's mob rule. Right. That's not a republic. That's right. not a republic. Right. And people don't understand the difference. They don't know. They don't understand. And see, the checks and balances of our, of our founders was that they created 
this, this legislative system that was going to make the laws. And it was a bicameral. You have a Congress and a Senate. And then you have a executive branch. And that executive branch is meant to execute or put the laws into effect. But then you have a judicial branch that's not supposed to interpret law. They're supposed to enforce the law as it is written. And so when you hear today about judges, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 interpreting from the bench or legislating from the bench, is because they have gotten away from the original purpose of the judicial branch. It was meant to enforce the law according to the, uh, the subsequent statutes and codes that had to do with the implementation of a law. And then, of course, we have the most important part, if you will, and there's actually two more parts, but one of the most important parts there is a jury, a trial by jury of your peers. So that meant if the legislative branch was corrupted, made a bad law. The executive branch was corrupted, executed a bad law. If the judiciary was corrupted and wanted to enforce a bad law, and you were having a jury of hopefully your peers of we the people, then they could find you not guilty of the law legislated, the law executed, and the law enforced. Is that what we mean by nullification, jury nullification? Jury nullification means the jury can say not guilty because they're going to ask for a verdict from a jury of your peers. Now, there's even another important part, and, and, and I've spoken about this before. Uh, I had the good fortune to meet a, a man named Richard Mack. He was a former sheriff in the state of uh, one of the counties of uh, Arizona. And he, you might say, got drafted into his fame through challenging the Brady Bill uh, back during the Clinton administration when... Uh, uh, the government wanted to enforce laws on the county sheriffs to basically implement some aspects of this federal law. And the sheriffs take an oath to the Constitution. And again, they're the only final, I want to say final, they're actually part of the executive branch because they execute laws. They're supposed to execute and make sure that laws are pursuant to the Constitution, which is part of what the federal government, sometimes they refer to, there's a supremacy clause to the Constitution. Well, the supremacy clause simply means that every law is meant to be pursuant to the Constitution. That means if it's not pursuant to it, if it doesn't fit within the limitations of the government, that law is actually null and void on its face. And it's actually, uh, when politicians attempt to operate under the color of law, they are depriving us of our innate rights that the Constitution is meant to secure. So Richard Mack challenged the Brady Bill and uh, won and, uh, with another gentleman named Prince. His last name was Prince. And they basically created what they called a case for state sovereignty. And this is one of the booklets, the Supreme Court case for state sovereignty, Mac versus Prince USA. 
And in it, uh, you know, Justice Scalia at the time wrote a very important part of the verdict there or part of the uh, findings. It says, but the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions. See, we hear a lot today about we're doing this for your safety. We're doing this for your good. <laughs> I love nature. <laughs> we're doing this for your good. And we need to always beware when a politician says we're doing this for your good and it doesn't follow pursuant to the Constitution. Right. He just said, I love nature because a little uh, caterpillar just came down and sat down beside him right by his head. That's why. So those of you who are listening. I think all forms of nature are interested in this subject. Right. In this subject right. matter, because it's all part of the orderly foundings of creation. So give us an example or the, the color of law, give a little bit more on that, what that means, because I think a lot of people don't know what that means. Okay, so I, I will use this example. I think it's simple. It's when you, you have something called an executive order from a governor of a state or from a mayor of a city. Ooh, can we say, uh, let's say they put a mask mandate and tell everybody they have to wear masks. That's a great, that's a great subject right now. An I think example. A, a, a great example and, a, and probably a, something of universal appeal. Now see, when a mayor, when a, when a governor says we're going to have a mask mandate, or the executive branch of the federal government, which by the way, I want to remind everyone, the states created the federal government. So the states are actually superior to the federal government, and that's what this Supreme Court case for state sovereignty was all about. It was a reinvigoration that our states are superior to the federal government. And that is why our previous administration was always telling the states what, and the governors, what do you want to do? What do you want? To, if you need help, I'm here. And the state says, no, we got this, whatever it, if it had to do with uh, unruly protest or unruly rioting or something like that. The state governor said, no, we've got this. We can handle this. As they should. As they should. But to come back to this mandate, if mayors or governors could execute laws without the legislation, we'd be back in a monarchy again. We would be re-experiencing a tyrant all over again. So these were never laws. So, but it's called the color of law because it seems like a law. It, it looks like a law. It looks like a law. It's kind of like the, the thing uh, where we joke in, uh, in East Texas where I grew up. It says, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. But this was not a duck. This, this was, was an not imposter. A, it was an imposter. This is not a law. Executive orders really have to do more with mandates for employees of the government. And we think it applies to us citizens. Now, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not what I'd call a constitutional scholar, but I am like what every man, woman and child uh, and children in school should be doing that study the Constitution. 
because as you become a student of it, if, if this is a government eye and for the people, then we the people better get up to date on what it says to limit government. And then we get to challenge them wherever they come up with their color of law mandates, where you have to do this and you have to do that. Even in an emergency, the Constitution is not void. It doesn't go away because somebody in an executive position wakes up and says, you know, I'm tired of everybody doing what they want. I want them to do what I want. They can't do that. They would have to come up with a, a bill that goes before one part of the Congress, the other part of the Congress, and let's see if we the people really want that. And they've got to run it by we the people. And then if Congress enacts it, then so be it. And if we want to uh, ask for it to be repealed, then we have to fight to have it repealed. So would you say that executive orders should never have ever been a thing? Well, they can be a thing for, remember, the executive of a, of, of a state can give the state's employees an executive order. If you come to work, I want you to wear this. If you do this, you can do that. And then if you don't want to do that, guess what? You are free to quit. <laughs> you are free to leave. Okay. Because you're not in chains. Uh, you are uh, free to even leave that job. As a matter of fact, there's an important uh, reminder from, uh, and this is going back to our innate rights, but Patrick Henry said this important thing. When the people forget God, tyrants forge their chains. So when people are not talking about their innate rights, see the moment an executive, the governor or the president of the United States says something, people have been trained for the past 30, 40, 50 years that what they say is gospel. And what we need to be saying, no, does it, is it pursuant to the Constitution? Because if it's not, we could say, well, I don't have to obey that. That's null and void. And uh, because God gave me rights that are not sacrificed or not lost or not given away. Matter of fact, they can never be given away. Whether you call him God or not. No, whether you call it God or not. Right. You can say nature gave me these. By, 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 just, by me just being a living, breathing organism, a human being on this planet, and I don't even know what I believe about that is what a, a person can say. Right. But what I know is this, the rights that I have, the freedom to speak, the freedom of the press, the freedom to assemble, the freedom of uh, self-defense, the freedom of, of assembly, and the freedom to redress my grievances with the government. The freedom to believe what I want. To believe what I want. The freedom to think in the dome of my head. You know why we have uh, the, 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 uh, 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 all the Capitol buildings are in the shape of a dome. a dome. It was to mimic the dome of the human head. It was meant to sim be symbolic that we were working from our highest crown energy centers in the human body. And so we wanted to put this umbrella structure, this architecture over a body of souls who were prognosticating, debating ideas that were inspired by God and some not.
may be inspired by evil people. I never thought about that, and they are all dome shape. They're meant to mimic our head. That's why it's freedom. It's the freedom to think in the dome of your head. And our, and our, and our architecture was meant to mimic that so that we could, we could be inspired by God, by nature, by it, by first cause, by the source, however you relate to that. Okay, so government doesn't tell us doesn't give us our rights. It shouldn't be there to tell us what we can and can't do. No. We, our rights are given. So they were enumerated in our Bill of Rights. These ones that they decided were specific, that absolutely we've got to be specific about the right to free speech, our right to assemble, our right, right to freedom of the press, those types of things are and all... And they were all attacked in the past year, haven't they? All, all of them. Every single, oh, the freedom of religion, the freedom to worship as you want. Every single one of those through the lockdowns, and through the mask mandates were all designed to go after each of those First Amendment rights. Okay, so uh, we are now becoming very um, clear on, on this. A lot of people are recognizing this all over the world, and they look to us too, because we're the only ones that have those rights completely enumerated in our Constitution. So um, let's go back to the, the mask mandate or in places where they are requiring people to get a vaccine in order to travel freely, which should be a right, even though it's not enumerated in the Constitution. I mean, I have the right to scratch my knee. They, they couldn't say everything in our Constitution that you have the right to and do because there's to. an infinite number of rights, really. You just said it. Our rights cannot be enumerated because they are infinite, because they come from the infinite, and therefore they can never be enumerated. But to come back to that mask mandate, if you read it carefully, and this is where there are, you know, very smart, nefarious, uh, legal-minded people that write these things. And so they always start it with mass required because they know that human attention is about uh, two words deep. <laughs> and that once you read that, People say, oh, and then they put, a, they, they put a picture of the mask. And, but if you, got, if you read it all the way through, you have to have it when you're on a business premises, all the staff, all the employees, all this and all that. When on the business premises and six feet of separation is not feasible. So if everyone would have read it all the way through and stood up, and got some backbone on this, that would have been over a year ago. Because they even know that they can't do it. And they're waiting for a few people to say something about it because they know there will be somebody like you or me that may say something about it. But the way I handled it is I just walked into every place. And if they said anything to it, to me about it, I would point to it on their wall and I left the employee in a state of wonder. Well, the other problem is that our media has has made ah, people believe ah. that that it's uh, that you really need to wear a mask or two or three because they work, and it's scary out there, and that this is a true pandemic where people are dropping Fear. like flies. Yet, yeah, so they, they've they've actually made people want to comply instead of people having backbone and walking in and going, well, you know, first of all, people didn't do the the research from the get go and realize right. that masks don't do anything to keep the spread of a virus from happening. But then, so 
there's a wonderful card that's coming out in our Know Your Rights group okay. here in Austin um, that's that you can hand to a business owner that basically says it, it says that under our constitutional rights, you you have to serve me. You cannot uh, discriminate against me for Correct. several different. There's several different laws where that's even stated sure. um, for not wearing a mask. It's not constitutional. Uh, so I, I love what you said the other night when you were speaking, when when you said. We must not wear masks and do it consciously and on purpose when we go into a business and they won't serve you you then you tell make sure you get to the manager and be like okay then I will not do my business here because this is unconstitutional it's it's ungodly first and that's why when people forget God tyrants forge their chains we have to remember that if we are talking about our Creator and people have gotten shy about talking about God because they don't want to be considered, you know, a, a, a religious fanatic. But I'm not a religious fanatic. I am one that is acknowledging, acknowledging the sovereignty of first cause in me and in you. You know, when Rosa Parks stood up to uh, the ordinance or the mandate that someone had to get up, uh, uh, you know, a person of color had to get up and let a white person sit on a bus. Instead, she said, no, today's the day I'm tired. I'm not getting up. Martin Luther King, no. They went to colored uh, water fountains and they went to colored snack bars and they sat at the snack bar which says white people only. So you have to, and what did happen? What happened? It changed. It changed. So history repeats itself. That was, and, and, and that was in my lifetime. I mean, I grew up in a East Texas town where uh, colored sign, colored entrances, and white entrances were visible to me as a four, five, six-year-old child. And I could read, and I saw that, and I thought, okay. But that's how it is. That's, that's how it is, I, you know? But it made me challenge that too. And I was, uh, I was pretty dark, and I can get pretty dark, and uh, people actually thought that uh, my father, who was a Sicilian, uh, you know, the child of a Sicilian immigrant, and my mother was French, and she was very light-colored. They thought we were a mixed family, and people used to think we were little colored kids and black children growing up. Uh, me and my brothers, we had such dark, uh, you know, complexions. But uh, anyway, we, we just have to get back to talking to people like, you know, my God-given rights. See, when we talk about the Constitution, we, we're giving them fodder to say, well, we could, if Constitution gave it to you, then the Constitution can take it away. Okay. So where we really have to get back and where the, where the revolution was won, you know, with the American Revolution, was men and women were talking about God constantly. They were praying. You know, there was prayer everywhere and uh, men prayed before battle they prayed during battle they prayed after battle uh, people were praying in their churches people were praying in their homes Pray people were getting together praying acknowledging God's presence in their life and when we're acknowledging God's presence in our life the omnipotent omniscient and omnipresent spirit of life itself that is innate in every cell organ system and function of your body and every cell 
organ and system and function of all of nature, when we acknowledge the magnificence of the first cause in everything, where can evil live and lurk? It smacks darkness away. So when we're talking about first cause, God, source, creator endowed, source derived, rights, Sir, are you meaning to tell me my source-derived right to breathe freely is being stopped by you? We, where I came from, we call that suffocation. Are you telling me that you want to suffocate me and prevent my oxygen and carbon dioxide from being exchanged, and God gave me that breath, you didn't give it to me, is that what you're telling me? And I want to ask them a question. It's better to ask them a question because it touches upon their own soul nature. And in that moment, they get to decide, am I doing this to people? They're gonna have a moment, they're gonna have a great awakening. And if they don't, when we the people rise up, they're gonna have a rude awakening. Because when we the people come together and really get collaborative about enforcing our rights, God-given rights, secured by the Constitution, darkness is smacked. We light the candle. We become the Rosa Parks. We become the Martin Luther King. We are reliving the spirit of the American re uh, 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 Revolution. We are in the American rest restoration right now. Our kids have not, have not learned these principles because over the last 30, 40, 50 years, there's been an encroachment, an overreach by government financing government books and history books. And they're, 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 they're hiring these teachers to forget that and creating policies that are not teaching our founding principles and definitely not teaching our principles about God. Now, the concept of separation of church and state never meant that we can't talk about God in government. It meant there cannot be an establishment of a religion. So government's not going to establish that you have to be a Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, Jew, Muslim, or atheist, or whatever. Right. Whatever your faith is. I mean, I heard one time that there's probably some 19,000 sectarian Christian belief systems. Mm. <laughs> And it was all about one guy named Jesus or Eshua, right? 19,000 belief systems on how to achieve salvation. So everybody, there's room for everybody. Mm -hmm. But what we need to have is, it doesn't matter what you believe. Let's agree on this. We are going to constrain the government from encroaching upon my ability to believe what I believe and your ability to believe what you believe. And where our freedoms overlap, we're going to be in harmony. I'm not going to hurt you. You're not going to hurt me. We're going to keep the Ten Commandments. We're going to keep the, 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 the Ten Amendments. And we're going to constrain government. And the people we elect, we're going to be the watchdogs. We're going to be the guardians on watch to watch them and make sure that they are legislating, executing, judicially enforcing, and make sure that the jury of our peers are educated. And that's why we're doing what your podcasts are doing, Betsy. Your podcasts are reteaching people that we are the jury 
of our peers. Don't be afraid to go and be a juror because you can save someone from an unlawful, uninspired, God-endowed, you know, if it's God-endowed, it's great. If it's an unconstitutional act, that means it's not securing the innate rights of someone. And we have to be that nullification for that. And you need to go talk to your sheriff because they're the highest law enforcement officer of your county. And this has its, the founders knew that this is how uh, the monarch, King Alfred the Great, 849 to 899, he had a shire representative, a shire that was the representative of the people. And that shire reeve was meant to really bring the, the, the shire uh, populations concerns directly to the king, but they were picked by the people. They weren't appointed by the king because if you're appointed by the king, where's the, where's the allegiance? There was an allegiance to then the monarch. So the founders wanted to get away from the nobleman program, knights and uh, barons and dukes and duchesses and uh, all that, the aristocratic was just a way for the kings and queens to infiltrate the we the people and become the watchdogs on the people. And our Declaration of Independence said that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So they knew that we the people were created equal and that we had unalienable rights endowed by our creator. <coughs> And that was not something that could be legislated or taken away. Where are the laws regarding the sheriff? How did the sheriff get their, their seat? Well, again, it has its roots in the founding of our country, where the county, counties, as they were created, as America, as the states, the original states were created, and then as the other states came into being, the, 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 the system of government was set up on the county program and that there would be a county law enforcement officer. Remember, uh, America was rural and still has a lot of rural land. And so uh, municipalities are sometimes very small, have very low budgets, of course. And so the concept of the sheriff was to give a representative of we the people so that people, of course, had the God-given, source-derived, creator endowed right of self-defense <coughs> and that's what the second amendment was all about and to put teeth in the first amendment but the sheriff was meant to represent we the people and is to it represent in the constitution is the re is sheriffs because i've read the constitution multiple times and i don't remember their well it's part of the it's considered the executive branch <coughs> the sheriff is considered part of the executive branch of government and uh uh, and, and so they are created to be direct representatives of we the people to enforce laws that are pursuant to the Constitution. They specifically take their okay. oath so directly to the, the Constitution. Constitution. And they're appointed by, they're, they're voted in by the people mm -hmm. and they're not appointed by a mayor. Mm -hmm. Now the mayors can, they can have a, a police force of a, of, city. Of a city but that's, they're not appointed by the people. Right. See, or not voted in by the people. 
but the sheriff is. Right. And that's what was very, very important and is still important today. What the Brady Bill and what the Sheriff Mack fought was this idea to usurp that and begin to give money. And this is how the federal government becomes a Trojan horse. Uh, and there's a concept in law that says where there's a benefit, there's jurisdiction. So they wanted to give money and they're always giving jurisdictions money. And you hear it all the time. Well, look, if we don't do this, we're going to lose our federal grants or we're going to lose our federal monies. Well, of course, this is the way the federal government reaches into our personal lives and says, you do what we say or else we become subjects all over again. And we have to stop that. Okay, so what, when you say go see your sheriff, go talk to your sheriff, how, uh, what, what would people walk in and say? First of all, I voted for you or I didn't vote for you. You need to let them know. If you didn't vote for them, let them know your, your uh, and maybe why. Just say, well, I, I, I have never hear, heard you talk about my unalienable rights that were God endowed. Never heard it. I listened to you speak during your campaign and you never talked about God one time. That is a real crystal clear uh, uh, delineation right there. If someone's not talking about God, not talking about our creator endowed unalienable rights, then, then you don't want those people in office. That's number one. And then number two, uh, if you did vote for him, say, look, I'm here to, to reinvigorate you uh, about your oath of office. Uh, now, in, 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 in some counties, they actually film the, just like they film the inauguration of, of governors of states and they film the federal, uh, the federal executive branch and they usually make them put their hand on a Bible and swear or affirm uh, that they're going to uh, protect the Constitution and we the people against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Okay? So help me God. Well, go back and look for that and see if your sheriff did that. And if your sheriff didn't do it, say, did you not have a, a, a oath ceremony? And if they did or didn't, say, I'm, I'm asking you if you're going to keep your oath of office, if there's some type of un, not God-given, not secured by the Constitution mandate to infringe upon my right of being. And if they if they hem haw and hesitate and, and cough and say, I'll have to get back to you, you need to let them know right then, when you're up for re-election, I'm going to be campaigning against you. We're going to make sure that we get somebody to represent we the people. Now, I went and saw my sheriff prior to the November 3rd election uh, in my county, and uh, I, I went with three other gentlemen. So the four of us went. Uh, we didn't know what to expect. We called and made an appointment so that our sheriff knew where we were coming. But we did say that and say we have concerns about all that's going on. And that gives you a broad palette to work with. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that's going on that we as citizens of this great county have concerns about. So go and talk to them. Don't be afraid of them. Well, they're not going to arrest you on the spot for being a concerned citizen. They're just a person. You're just a person. Uh, you, you don't have to go with any hostility and you don't have to go with any disrespect. In fact, use the word respectfully, sir, respectfully, officer, respectfully, sheriff. I have great concerns. 
we, 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 we want to live in a free America. And we have great concerns about this because we see things happening. We see censorship. We see lockdowns. We see encroachments upon uh, uh, our freedom of worship, uh, our right to assemble, censorship on media platforms. What do you say to that? We came right out and asked our sheriff, if someone comes in here from a federal agency or from one of the cities that is employed, that were the, the, the law enforcement's not voted in by the we, the people, and they want to take our right of self-defense away from us, what are you going to do? And of course, it's a, it's a big question because our sheriff says, well, I don't think it'll come to that. I said, I didn't ask you that question. We asked you, would you let it happen? He said, no, I won't let it happen. And he said, I don't think the people will let it happen. Well, he's right about that. Because if we lose our right of self-defense, if we lose the right of control over our physical bodies, what's left? If they can control my body, they can't control my mind. They can't control my thoughts. Uh, of course, they want to, and they do so through media. <coughs> and they do this through the constant media narrative uh, that is brainwashing people, and in, in, uh, to use a, a, a phrase in you know, colloquial parlance, uh, they want us to drink the Kool-Aid, and the Kool-Aid of, of uh, submission. The mask is not about protection. Any smart person, any intelligent person, and most importantly, the most important part of intelligence is discernment. Any person with discernment would know that we, we, that, that a mask like that is porous and does not stop viruses. And they told you, wear anything. Yeah. Just put something over your face. And if you're sitting down in a restaurant, well, then it doesn't matter. Take it off. The virus is smart. Yeah. It knows when you're standing, getting up, put the mask on, walk to the restroom, walk to the lobby. The virus is so smart that it knows when you're standing and walking around. But when you sit down and you're, you're sitting at the restaurant, it's going to leave you alone. Well, and I think everybody, everybody that's ever worn a mask knows that, that it's after a while, you just can't breathe very well. So you're really grateful for those little holes that like go by your nose and around the edges because you can actually get some air in there. So we know that we're breathing, that the air we're breathing is circulating. You've been on an airplane, everyone's wearing a mask, but everyone's breathing the same air. It is ridiculous. And it's a contained system on it an is. airplane. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. See, this is where people just don't stand up. And you got to shop with, you got to vote with your money. You have the power of purchase and you can vote every day. And if someone, uh, and I had a big box store, uh, I went in, they had a sign, small children and people with health conditions are exempt. And I claimed the health exemption. And they said they didn't care. They wanted me to wait outside. And uh, I said, well, I'll only be in here for a few minutes. And uh, because I'm just going to die, I'm socially distancing. I was actually fulfilling the mandate. I was keeping six feet apart. But even the government and these corporate pirates, these core, these core pirates, <laughs> are stealing our right to be. And we have to stand up to them. And they told me if I didn't wait outside, they were calling the police. And I did a Rosa Parks moment. I said, 
go ahead. Call my sheriff. He knows who I am. Here's my name. <laughs> Call him. He'll, let him come pick me up. Well, the city police of, uh, of, of my humble town came and two squad cars came and, uh, you know, three, two got out of one car, looked like, you know, two younger guys and one older, more senior uh, uh, law enforcement representative came and they said, are you the guy they called about? I, I said, I, I guess so. I, I'm the only one waiting out here. And, uh, and they go, well, what happened? I said, well, I, I, I claimed the exemption that's on their banner. I said, I had a health concern and I don't have to tell you what it is. <coughs> and he goes, well, let me go inside and see. And so he went in for five minutes. I had left my, my, my phone in there because I, was, I had a, 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 an, a, what I called a lifetime warranty on a shield to protect that. And so it broke and so I was going in to get it repaired. So I left it in there to get it repaired. And uh, so the, this, this one uh, police officer went in and he came back out and he goes, well, Sir, they don't want you to ever come back here. They're going to have you arrested for trespassing. See, they know that they can't win for, uh, you know, for not wearing a mask. So they're going to get me for trespassing for not following their policies. Well, it's ultimate discrimination. And they don't want to go there. And I'm not interested in doing that either. But I had that moment where I was going to say, I'm going to stand up then today. And then the policeman says, well, I'm going to have to write you up a citation. Uh, as a warning, what's your name? I said, respectfully, officer, I don't even have to give you my name. Well, he was surprised because he realized he had a, he had a, he had a whippersnapper, you know, <laughs> there, and not someone that was going to just, and I, and I looked him right in the face. I said, respectfully, officer, I don't have to give you your name. And respectfully, I don't have to sign anything you're going to present to me because I didn't do anything wrong. If anything, they are not even obeying their own policies. So shame on y'all. Well, right about that time, the little girl came out and brought me uh, my phone back and fixed it and says, we really want your business, but you disrespected us and you made us all feel uncomfortable. I said, well, y'all are all wearing masks and we were all socially distancing. You have a policy here that says people with health conditions and I told you I had one and it was you that disrespected me, but hey, I can vote with my money and I don't have to come here ever again. And I can tell other people not to do the same or to do the same, not to come here ever again. Well, I said, officers, really glad to see y'all today. Thank y'all for coming out. I hope y'all have some important things to do, but I'm going to my car now. <laughs> they couldn't do anything to me other than watch me leave. See, so this is where, I, and I don't consider that, uh, don't think for one moment I didn't have a moment of butterflies. Yeah. I'm a regular person too, but I knew if I didn't stand up then, my children and my grandchildren one day might say to me, Dad, why didn't you stand up? Why didn't you do, why didn't you do the right thing in the moment? Okay, you said, <clears throat> if we don't stand up and to this unconstitutional mask mandate, or whatever, we don't even have one in Texas anymore. No, it doesn't. Um, but, but so see, everybody's been up, brainwashed Right, now. <laughs> right. So if we don't stand up and stop wearing the masks, then they're going to say in six months, it'll be, well, you have to have a vaccine to come in here. And if we don't stand up, then it's going to be, if you don't have this vaccine passport, you won't be able to come in here. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. <clears throat> Our rights are being so... Uh, encroached, encroached upon. upon it trampled just destroyed in You're front of our very lives right. that if we don't those of us who are willing 
to have our Rosa Parks moment over and over again and do it consciously. Um, this other thing, the vaccine, again, just like the mask, if you do a little research, you realize, well, it's not a vaccine and it doesn't, if, if you read what it actually says on the inserts from this experimental injection, that it doesn't keep you from getting COVID, it doesn't keep you from spreading COVID. So what, I don't know what, what they're injecting us with, I've, I've read what's in the vaccines, this um, very questionable and experimental, never been tested on humans before. Right. And for them to say that you would have to have it, the whole thing is insane. And when you talk about it, people look at you like you're insane, but you're the one thinking. Betsy, you're so right. And uh, see, we have to remember that this government that we have, this great nation that we have, there's a constant, It's think of it as a tug of war. And uh, it is a war. It's a war on our right to be and our right to live. And they pull on us and they see if we're gonna pull back or push back. Um, and we need, to we need to help them have that boomerang moment where we turn this stuff around. Uh, uh, so some people who have ever done martial arts, there's, there's a type of martial art called Aikido where you, where you the energy come at you and you redirect that energy to where it actually immobilizes them or puts them out of balance. They are testing us every day. And, and, and if we were sitting in their uh, closed quarter round table discussions, I, I bet you they'd be saying, let's see how dumb the public is. And let's just, let's just see if they're gonna give in to this. So they start with something simple, like let's have a two week mask mandate. And then the two weeks and they go, everybody's bought into it. No, we're gonna to have to do it a month. We're gonna to have to do it a quarter. We're gonna to have to do it for six months. We're gonna to have to do it a year. Well, when can we stop this? Well, then they roll out the second level. Well, when everybody gets a, a vaccine. And, and, and then, okay, so say, all right, well, if we get the vaccine, vaccine, can we go back to our life? Sure, and they'll tell us exactly what we wanna hear and they're lying through their teeth to us. And people say, well, all right, well, you know, I, I, can, I can put up with a mask. I don't know if I'm gonna get the vaccine yet, but let me do this, so maybe they'll leave me alone. They won't leave you alone. What they'll do is they'll, they'll up the ante, up the ante, and then you'll have to get a second mask. Okay, so we were trained as children <laughs> to be obedient and good, and we got rewarded for being obedient and good. To godly laws. <clears throat> okay, and it's time for but us ungodly to laws, stop. no. Being, so it makes sense that our society would say, okay, you know what? We think everyone should stay home for a little while, a couple weeks, maybe wear a mask if you have to go out. We're going to try to, you know, flatten the curve, whatever that, whatever that was they were saying back then. And it makes sense that as good American citizens, we, we complied. We've been not, nobody was up in arms those first two weeks. Maybe there were a few people who were, you know, who saw the writing on the wall Hardcore. early on. Yeah. Right. But most people, it makes sense because we were so, we've been, it's been so ingrained in us in, in school and everything and, and, and church or wherever you were growing up, your family, that you, you comply, you be good, you fall in line, you, there you good, good little boy, good girl, you're doing the right thing. And we wanna be good and we wanna be right and we wanna be accepted in our societies and in our families and in our social circles. And so, but yep. at some point, 
you have to recognize I don't need to be good and I don't need to comply and that doesn't make me not good. In fact, it makes me good to stand up for my rights and the rights of others and to say, no, you don't. You're exactly right. See, the other thing about uh, locking businesses down, see, part of what has made America great in the light on the hill is free enterprise. Because see, free enterprise allows the image and likeness that we're made in, the godness within us, the source within us, to creatively express. So they're wanting to squelch that. And so, and to, and to, and to gobble up and to shut down all the mom and pop and all the little creative businesses that are expressing their God-given talents and they're gonna absorb them into all the big box stores and all the big corporations. Remember, they can't control 300 million people, but they could control five million businesses or three million or two million. Or if everything is gonna be, be bought off the big, the big box stores and the big internet box stores, and you know which ones I'm talking about. It, it, and, and they got their trucks running around <laughs> the neighborhoods delivering everything where people are ordering their hand sanitizer from these one stores you know and it's delivered to them no we need to go buy it and maybe be, be willing to pay a little bit more from a mom and pop store to keep them open see so if if we're getting rid of the the people who are the god-loving constitutionally minded people trying to keep government in check well if they can break us then they have us. So we have to say no, and I'm not shutting down my business and be willing to come what may. Uh, if, you know, this is why Patrick Henry said, you know, give me liberty or give me death. You know, and, and when you first hear that, you think, oh my God, that's, that's kind of like, I don't know if I want to go there. A little in intense. <laughs> yeah, it's a little intense there to give me liberty or give me death. But without liberty to express my God-given talent, then I, I'm, I'm not fulfilling the purpose for which I was born. And that's, again, going back to freedom, the free way of thinking in the dome of my head. Well, I'm 100% there. Without liberty, I'd rather be dead. I don't have any, I, there's... I'd, I'd, I'd rather step away from this dimension. Mm -hmm, me you know? too. You know, and if, if that's what they want, well, just like I remember, the, I remember the men at the Alamo. I remember the Rosa Parks. I remember the founders of this country. Matter of fact, there's some great... Uh, resources. Uh, you can get, the, this is a, a company called, well, David Barton, uh, he's the founder of this company called, uh, and he's even signed this, uh, Wall Builders, and it's called Lives of the Signers. Uh, instead of watching some uh, programming on TV, people should be reading the Lives of the Signers and getting inspired and saying, oh my God, I had no idea what these people were doing. Here's the wives of the signers. Because you know, they had to be pretty badass too. They had to be very, <laughs> very capable. Because remember, behind every man is a great woman, right? And so that great woman and man together were doing important things together. They risked their lives, literally. Their lives, and see, this is what is great and what I like to recite from the Declaration of Independence. And I would have loved to have been there when King George read this. When it made it across the ocean. When it made it across the ocean by a boat, right? 
it says, in support of this declaration with a firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They put it all on the line. This was not a game. This was not like, well, I, I just won't wear my mask today. I just won't, you know, yeah, if they want me to have a vaccine passport, but next month they're going to have a variant. Month after that, every quarter, they're going to have a new variant. They're already starting that nonsense. People, please wake up. Have a great awakening or have a rude awakening. You're going to have a rude awakening. You're going to wake up one morning and they'll be in your living room injecting you with the next variant vaccine that doesn't immunize you. When I grew up, vaccines were about immunization. They don't talk about immunization anymore. It has nothing to do with it. Like you said, as a matter of fact, get this vaccine, it says on the label, experimental, and it doesn't protect you from getting it or giving it. Why would you even take it? Ask for the ingredient list. People, look, when I go to a restaurant and I, and I read on the menu, it doesn't just say one, two, three, four, give me number four. Well, what's number four? Well, that's a, you know, that's a, you know, fish and vegetables. Well, what, what kind of vegetables? We want to know what the ingredients are. When people buy foods, that are conscious about their health. They read the ingredients on the label. Why? Because we want to know what's put, being put in me. Ask your doctor if you're going to decide to go get that vaccine at all. Ask the doctor for an ingredient list. Ask them this question. Could it create an adverse reaction? Ask them if there's any fetal tissue in it. Ask them if there's any formaldehyde, thimerosal, polysorbate 80, aluminum in it. And if they're being honest with you, they're going to have to tell you. And if they say, well, I can't tell you, say, well, I can't take it. It's as simple as that. You own your body. I remember during the, you know, you know, uh, the whole, uh, you know, states rights and female rights about it's a, my, a woman would say my body, my right to do with it what I want. Well, what happened now? It's my body, my right. There is, it is absolutely 100% against our natural rights, our God-given rights to have anyone require you to put anything in your body. We have medical rights. We have <clears throat> God-given medical rights. And, and all, all the other true vaccinations that, have, that we've had and immunizations throughout our history have always been voluntary. No one's ever They've required you to take anything. Always. So there is a nefariousness with this. Uh, folks, we need to look at the banking establishment who makes our money. We need to look at the companies that own the, the media output outlets. Uh, some, there's only a handful of co companies that you can count on one hand, basically, that owns news networks, radio stations, newspapers, magazines, and they control thousands of outlets of information and you have to wake up. We gotta have a great awakening or we're gonna have a rude awakening. I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it over. They recite their narrative over and over. We gotta recite our narrative over and over. What's my narrative? I have God-given unalienable rights, secured by the Constitution. You can't make me do anything I don't wanna do. And uh, God help you if you think differently because I'm not going away. <laughs> Yay, I'm so glad you're not going away because I'm right here with you. I'm not going anywhere. Well, we're in this together. We are. And this is what, what you're doing is so powerful, Betsy, because you're cataloging this for decades to come. 
this is not going to go away because once you upload this, it will be here. Except for on YouTube, where it won't. They'll, they'll, but, yeah, but it'll be somewhere. It the, yeah, it'll be, it'll somewhere. be somewhere. It'll be stored. It'll be somewhere. Yeah, if people can't see the censorship, it, that's another weird one, too. They're censoring on Facebook. They're censoring on YouTube. They're censoring on Twitter. And if it's so when you recognize, and, and some people have been deplatformed completely. They can't even speak. They can't even use their free speech. They have to come up with their own platform that then people have to find them. It's not, people can't share it freely like they can in an open platform. So the fact that people are just kind of like, eh, yeah, okay, well, they got censored. It's okay. Like, the, it's so crazy. We have to remember, you're absolutely right. We have to remember that the American Revolution was only really supported vigorously by about 3% of the population. And some people say that might have even been a high number, okay? So when you think of a few million colonists and 3%, so, but the 3% changed history. See, it only takes, only takes one Jesus. It only takes one Rosa Parks. It only takes one Martin Luther King. People are always saying, what can I do? Well, what you can do is you can learn to get some citizen resources. I've even put together some citizen resources and see, maybe you'll be able to put this yes. with this podcast. I will. I will put that in the show notes. I'll put every bit of it in there. Susan. Yeah. Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association. You can join and support. Richard Mack is going across and I've been to his Texas convention recently back in February. He's going across the nation and getting sheriffs to recommit to their oath of office and getting them to have a reenactment. It's almost like renewing your vows in a marriage or renewing your commitment to your kids or whatever. He's doing that. They have Chris Ann Hall. She's a, she's a lawyer. She has Liberty First University. You can go and learn about the Constitution. Uh, Richard Martin, lawyer. Uh, Larry Beecraft, a lawyer. Uh, the Informed Consent Action Network by Dale Bigtree right here in Austin, Texas. ICanDecide.org. Uh, America's Frontline Doctors, founded by Simone Gold, who got fired from her, uh, her, her doctor positions because she was not uh, uh, promoting the vaccine. She was giving hydroxychloroquine. And hydroxychloroquine was working in every case, but it doesn't make big money for Big Pharma, who is also controlled by the bankers, who's also part of media. Look at the commercials every night on big media drug commercials, drug commercials, insurance commercials, car commercials. It's all the big, 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 big. When's the last time a mom and pop store had a big commercial on a big network? They can't afford that. So who controls all that? They're all in collusion together. Talk about collusion. <laughs> There's collusion. <laughs> you know, we have this group in Austin called the Know Your Rights Study Group, and we get together and talk about what are our rights and how, and because we have to know them and we have to stand up for them. No one else is going to. Wherever you're hearing this, if you are somewhere else, obviously, probably other than here, create these things. You can do it. You, you get it out there, start talking to the people who will listen, who care, and create a, a group where you can get together and talk about what are your rights and how can we ensure that we're maintaining our rights in our local areas. Go to, that is beautiful. And see, this is the kind of action that is needed where communities get together and it starts with a few friends and then it grows and grows and you have featured speakers. 
But see, this is what happened with, uh, you know, the original colonist. When they, see, they didn't want to break away from England. They considered the rights that were being infringed upon. The, they were Englishmen who had, they had a historical uh, history of being protected by the king or the monarch, the queen. Uh, they had certain rights as Englishmen. But the King George decided that he was going to take those away, whittle those away. So when in the, in the original Declaration of Independence, they had some 27 enumerated usurpations and injurious mm -hmm. actions mm -hmm. uh, uh, by, the, by the king. And that's when they said, and, 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 and if you go read those today in your little Declaration of Independence that you should carry around in your book at all time or in your pocketbook at all time, you will see that everything that was being done back then is being done against us today. It is, yes. What are we going to do? What is, it's up to each of us. It's up to you. It's up to me. This is government of, by, and for the people. And know your rights group. Every little group matters. We all matter. We are here to create a more perfect union. We haven't been perfect, but we can create a more perfect union. And what was this union between? It was a union of God and man, not man and the king. And that's what makes America the light on the hill. This is a union between God and us so that our creative purposes can be expressed through our creative enterprises. I'm not going to be locked down. I'm going to be liberated. And if, a, if, if, if the government doesn't get on board, we're here to teach them a lesson. <laughs> Will you recite the the beginning of the of the Declaration of Independence for us, Rock? Because that's how much you love it. Okay. This I'm, is by memory, y'all. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for a people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate but equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitles them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And that when any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organize its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light or transit causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind is more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the form, forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably this same object, events as they designed to render them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. And yes, in support of this declaration, for now, for the past, for the present, and for all eternity. We mutually pledge to each other our lives and our fortunes and our, and our sacred honor. 
We are depending upon divine providence. We don't depend on the government to tell us what to do. I'm here to do what God sent me here to do. We are here to live our mission, to fulfill God's promise in each of us. Each of us are on purpose. We're not an accident. I'm not a creation of some government. I'm not, I wasn't made in a government factory somewhere, but they are trying to turn us into automatons where they're, we're just listening to them and doing what they want us to do. No, starting right now, go to your homes, go to your, 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 your businesses and say, we the people have shown back up. The great awakening is now. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end. <laughs> Betsy, thank you for being a visionary for our freedom with your Freedom Junkie radio station. Well, thank you for being here, for doing this. Till next time. I live better than a king ever did. I live better than a king We are in an American Renaissance restoration period. And I didn't say it on, I didn't say it, but- uh, It's still running. The price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Thomas Jefferson said it, many of the founders said it. Guys and gals, we have to be the new, the new speakers of, of, of this restoration. It's gotta be in our hearts. We've gotta become the arms and legs of freedom. And if we don't do it, who's gonna do it? If we don't liberate ourselves, who are we gonna have liberate us? It's up to us. We are here to form a more perfect union. It never stops because life is infinite. But our right of self-defense is God-given. And the Second Amendment was meant to secure that God-given right. And see, that's why we have to get back to that. I can't say it enough that we, we, we have to really talk about our creator and creator endowed. It, this scares the heck out of these government people. Well, they've tried to get us to, to be more atheist and not talk about God. And a lot of people are uncomfortable because they're like, well, my God, you might call it something else. And so I don't want to say God. And, <laughs> and so whatever you call it, your natural rights. That's, see, we got to just give people permission to say, look, we don't have to agree on that. Let's agree to limit government. Yeah. Let's agree to secure our rights with the constitutional framework. What are framework. our rights? What are our rights? Where did they come from? Not government. It doesn't come from government. Right. And that language will put them in their place. But they're changing the narrative. We're a democracy. Uh, we have constitutional rights. No, we have the securing of our rights by the Constitution. These narratives are important because they're gonna run with whatever we give them. If we give them something that they can hook onto and say, okay, they, they're believing now that we're a democracy. And even good people in government say it. They say, oh, we're, we're a democracy. No, we're a, rep we're a representative republic. Uh, if you don't know what that is, go back to college. Oh, you're a lawyer? Go back to school. And we need to call them out on this yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's a the, the wonderful group in Australia right now that's standing up for their rights um, they're, they're standing on the street corners with these beautiful signs that say, you can say no to vaccines. But, but the name of their group is called 
restoring our democracy. It's unfortunate. They're, they're kind of missing that. Yeah, yeah, it's like democracy is 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 mob rule. Two, two two wolves and a sheep deciding what to have for dinner. Yeah, right. exactly. You know, it's interesting. I saw a pie chart and it said um, twenty percent, about twenty percent of the population voted Democrat, and about twenty percent votes Republican. About sixty percent of people are voting for no government at all. <laughs> well, that would be a good bill to have, wouldn't it? We could we could enact that one and legislate that one. But see, it's it's already built in. We can limit government, but they keep creeping, and it keeps, and and then see, there's a certain amount of consent when they say uh, mask mandate. Uh, you're you're supposed to mask required when six feet of separation is not feasible and then everybody just does it. And they say, we gave them the way to do it and they didn't want it that way. They want to wear them anyway. That's how they get our consent. And we just got to read, have discernment, and then say no. And, and, and if we want eternal freedom, you got to be eternally vigilant. We just have to say, you know what? <laughs> it's my turn, you know? Mm -hmm. I would love to have said, you know, I wish I could, you know, bring George Washington back or this. No, it's our turn. Right. It's our turn. to. It's the Betsy Dewey's turn. It's the Rocco Bruno's turn. It's, it's all of our family members. We have to say this is our turn. And I'm not going to let freedom be lost on my watch.